And now it's time for the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Dalton. Hello and welcome to the wide world of depressed and repressed Texas Longhorn football fans because we've got a bad one to talk about today after the season has changed from the Texas TCU ball game last week. I'm Dalton Sweat here with uh, Chris Dukes, the publisher of Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven. You can see his work at si.com slash college slash Texas, or you can find him on Twitter at Duke Steak. Um, I guess that's Duke's take. Duke's yeah. take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, Chris, welcome uh, back to the podcast. I guess I'll be playing the part of uh, Fraser Crane today. We're going to talk through our, talk through some problems and yeah. uh, <laughs> try to try to talk everybody off the ledge. Hopefully, yeah. I need a little time on the couch. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm glad you're here because um, I need some time on the couch, to say the least. Uh, I am a, a I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, I always try and look at the rational side of things or the optimistic side of things, and this game makes it really tough. Uh, watching this last weekend and where the, the program is at this moment, it is tough to be optimistic or even rational. It, it's uh, all the things that you could say, well, at least the team is doing this. It seemed like this was the week they weren't even doing those things anymore. It was, yeah. it was uh, all the things that have been keeping keeping this team afloat all just seemed to let them down at the same time, and, and here we are. I mean, talking about a 10-point a loss to a team that wasn't very good offensively, and I know we're going to dive deeper into everything as we go along, but uh, yeah, there's... There's uh, there's some genuine unrest going on right now in in, in the Texas fan base and yeah. with with at least reasonably good reason. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you look at where the program is coming. Going. Actually, you know, let, let's put that on hold. General mood of the fan base right now. You're hearing. I think unrest is that a light word. Um, I, I mean, you're hearing anger. Um, de- I, I called it depression, anger, almost a feeling of being cheated because Texas fans came into this season thinking that they had. Uh, gotten over the hump. They had really that a team that they could root for to maybe make at least a Big 12 championship, if not a run at a national title. And then TCU happened, especially following the kick the can down the road, as we've been calling it the last couple of weeks, where the, the team was doing just enough to win, just enough to win to keep those dreams alive, to not dash those dreams, and then in a moment, they're gone. I'd say somewhere around the third quarter. <laughs> that, that, those hopes and dreams just completely went away. What are, what are you hearing from the Texas fan base right now? It's, it's not, ha- it's not, it, none, of it, none of it's good. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's, con- there's some genuine concern about the direction the entire program itself is headed. Uh, you know, I, I think some of it's probably warranted. There's, there, there's been, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's been circumstances that have kind of created this that maybe were beyond anybody's control, but also great, great staffs figure out ways around this kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and this staff seems to be pretty hung up at, at this point. And uh, I, I feel like they're searching for an- answers. It's not that, that we as fans are looking to figure it out. It almost feels like the coaches are too. It, there's, there's, there's definitely a sense of, of frustration and a sense of, uh, I don't know what to tell you. It was the first time I think I've ever heard Herman Herman sound like that. I, uh, you know, he's he's a really confident guy. After the game was over, you know, he looked like a guy who, for the first time since I've been on the beat, anyway, you know, you know, after the OU loss and after, you know, even after last the the, the Kansas win a couple of weeks ago, 
you still got the feeling like you know he's like man we we just got to work on some things and and after this game it, it kind of had that feeling like i just i need to go back and figure out what i need to do better yeah and uh it it's it's an it's it's a pivotal two weeks for for the program for the season and and for you know where this program goes from from at the end of the season and, and beyond so we're going to dive into this TCU game, but we're only going to do it a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the top storylines, not really do a game recap like we normally do, because to be completely honest with you, I was I was already done with this game in about the fourth quarter. <laughs> I didn't want anything more to do with it, and I imagine the fans at this point don't want to hear too much about it uh, either. So let's, let's just take a couple of the top storylines from that game. I, I think the overarching theme, what stood out to me the most was Texas let a freshman quarterback eat its lunch. I mean, it, it, Duggan just got the job done over and over and over again. 273 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That's all in the air. And then another 72 on the ground. I mean, we talked about the fact that he could run, but that he really hadn't done it a lot yet. And then all of a sudden he comes out on fire on the ground against Texas. Yeah, they they lost track of him a lot of times. And it was, it was the same <laughs> It was the same game plan you 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 had that that Jalen Hurts ate alive, and you know I, I I there's a lot of questions about about how Todd Orlando is is attacking offenses right now, and and how offensive coordinators are just seeing through you know his game plan. If you know if a bunch of dumb sports writers in the press box can predict what what he's going to do on third and long, you know. Anybody, uh, you know, Sonny Cumbie and Gary Patterson and those guys know for sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's not like uh, Texas fans aren't familiar with Sonny Cumbie, you yeah. know. So uh, it, it's just, a, it, it was really difficult to watch. And, and and I keep going back to the word depressing. That's really what the, the theme of this week is for me is just depressing. But uh, nonetheless, it, it, to go even further in, the bright spot that Texas fans had had this entire time with Sam Ellinger was putting together a season for the ages, at least statistically, and looked like he was carrying this team uh, as as shambles as it was to to wins, and then, well, that blew up yesterday or, or this weekend too. You know, uh, four interceptions uh, over doubled his season total. He's now got seven on the year, all of them in conference play. This is just it. It was tough to watch. It was tough to watch, and and I don't know how much of it you can you can say this is about, but. It, I I got the feeling that that Sam is pressing a little too hard because he has to. Yeah. You know he knows that you know if if he's if this team doesn't score thirty seven points, they're probably not going to beat anybody for the rest of the year. And he, I think he pressed a little hard, and I think I think Gary Patterson came up with a, a great game plan as he always does. Yeah. Uh, but some of those throws, you know, weren't necessarily that it was confusing coverage or guys that he didn't see. It was him trying to force balls into windows that just weren't there. Yeah. Uh, at least a couple of them, for sure. Uh, well, and and we talked about that Sam Ellinger knows this offense front and back. That's why he was excelling so much in the season, because he's almost like a, a coach on the football field. Well, you know who else knows this offense front and back? Gary Patterson. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he's one of the best defensive coaches in college football. He's proven it time and time again. He put together an amazing game plan that – forced Sam Ellinger to try and make those plays. They weren't going to give him anything that was uh, big down the field. They they tried to take away Colin Johnson deep. You know, they they had such a good game plan 
to frustrate Ellinger all day long. And I, I really think that you've got to put a, give a hat tip to Gary Patterson for this ball game. You're, you're, you're playing Gary Patterson on the road. He's going to take away the thing you do best. And that's that was the first thing they did. You know, they're gonna they made Texas play left-handed on offense, and took them out of their comfort zone. For the I mean, really you hadn't seen that even even when Oklahoma got after Ellinger, he was still he was still smart with the football. He still was able to, you know, avoid in, turnovers. This was this was the first time all year that he looked completely frustrated with what was going on. Well, and you know, Duvernay and Johnson ended up putting up pretty good stat lines for the game. Uh, I mean. Devin Duvernay had 173 yards on eight catches. Um, Johnson put up, I think, over 100 yards. Um, they, the stats were there. They moved Texas moved the ball. It just those turnovers just ate away at any possibility of a, of a real victory. Turnovers, and for the first time, really all year, you saw you saw a defense do what Texas tries to do to everybody else, and they really limited what they were doing in the red zone. Texas has been so good in the red zone going mm-hmm. into this game. I think I think they they been in the red zone something like 18 times and scored 16 touchdowns and you know the two the, the two uh, times they, they they missed it going for fourth fourth and one against uh, LSU but yeah you saw you saw missed field goals you saw red zone turnovers you saw stuff that you n- almost never see from this team and it, and once again you you have to tip your hat to Gary Patterson because he he knew he knew this this offense is 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 what it is, and it's going to get its yards. But he picked his battles and picked picked the right times to, to the right hills to die on, if you will. So I want to get into the defense, but I'm going to move on to a separate question instead of uh, starting out with a defensive conversation because I I, I think it will come up anyways. Um, at this point, Texas fans are are looking for blood. Uh, I mean, they're out there calling for heads. This is a fan base that is looking for answers, and they're they're looking for somebody to put on the chopping block. Do you see a hot seat warming up on this coaching staff? I think if if they're, I mean, you know, the 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 talk about the hot seat for for Todd Orlando seems to be the big discussion point. I told you, know, you it would come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was you know, I, I think way too early for Herman. Uh, I mean. But but for Todd Orlando, it's at least going to be something that people bring up, unless this defense does something dramatic in the last four games of the season. Uh, I I just I don't think that's possible. I don't think they have the athletes. I don't think they have the players on that defense at this moment to make something incredible happen in the last four games. You know, uh, and I know we'll probably get into injuries and who's coming back and and, and what's going on. Uh, they're going to get some guys back, but. You know, part of the part of the reason they're having to to bring the house on on these third and longs is because nobody's getting home. From, I mean, there's no pass rush. There's no organic pass rush on this team right now. Yeah. I mean, yet you're when you say yes, there's problems in the secondary. But there's problems. There's problems all over this this whole team. Uh, and and you might be right. They mean. I mean, I, I definitely don't think you're going to see something like a lights out type defense. But if you can get to a point where you play enough situational defense. To limp your way through this year and get to another offseason, then you might see another year for Orlando. If if this team stumbles and, and you're looking at seven and five, six and six, which is sh- shockingly a possibility, yeah. um, you know if you if you're looking at something hovering around five hundred, I think there's gonna head's gonna have to roll. I, I honestly don't think that the entire staff can make it through that intact. If they don't win at least eight games, somebody goes. 
I, I think that's the only way you placate this fan base mm -hmm. and, and convey that you want to make sure things are heading in the right directions and you're willing to make tough decisions to make that happen. I'm, I'm personally, I'm not sure that should be like Todd Orlando, but I agree. I, if, if they don't put together at least a, a bare minimum, you know, three wins out of these next four, then somebody's got to be a scapegoat. Somebody's got to get fired. Uh, it's just that simple. And I, I personally believe that Todd, Todd Orlando is a pretty darn good coach that's been dealt a bad hand at the moment. But 100%. Uh, I, I think, I mean, you're jumping in on that. You know, this is the same guy that had, you know, a top 20 defense in 2017, the best defense in the Big 12. You know, he was a, I think he was a, a semifinalist for the Broyles Award that year. You know, this one of the best defensive, I mean, one of the best just assistant coaches in the entire country, not just defensive coordinators. Uh, yeah, he's been dealt a rough hand, but. When you're in year three of your scheme, uh, those rough hands are being dealt by you in a lot of ways. I mean, with recruiting and, and things like that, uh, this is these are his guys. You know, this isn't this isn't a bunch of Charlie Strong guys that he inherited that he's having to you know cycle through. You're right; they all graduated from his good defense. Yes, that's, <laughs> that is uh, that is that is that is definitely something that's been brought up uh, in the comment sections that over at uh, SI Longhorn Maven this this week for sure. <laughs> well, uh, you know, when you have a defense, you first you start out with your base defense, and you hope that your base defense can hold up the large majority of the time against any offense with small tweaks. When it doesn't, you kind of got to go one of two ways. You either have to bring the house, you got to bring pressure to force mistakes by a quarterback or get in the hole to stop a running back, or you've got to drop people back and keep everything in front of you and make tackles. And Texas seems to be trying both right now, and neither one's working. When they blitz, there is there are open people that makes it simple for the quarterback to make a, a completion. And when they drop back, there's not enough pressure, You're not, not that organic pressure you were talking about, that allows them to just pick apart uh, the defense. Neither side of what you of, of the adjustment off your base is working right now. Yeah, and I mean they they did a few things. I mean, they're at least trying different things. You know, they they, they tried they they toggled in a few four man fronts against TCU, and I think that's got to happen. I think they tried a few new things, but I think you've just you've got to find ways to to feature your best pass rusher, and that's Joseph Osai right now. You've got you got to find ways to get him attacking quarterbacks and attacking offensive linemen, and find weaknesses and and you know find. Find ways to, to hide where he's coming from because right now it, it's it's too predictable and people people are catching on to it. Like you said, it's either bring the house or it's drop eight back. And mm -hmm. you know if 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 you can see that from from the press box, I guarantee you those guys can see it too. Yeah, I, I agree. You've got to take Osai and move him around. You've got to find the weakness. Uh, you know, Kansas State's coming up. They've got a great offensive line, a really strong offensive line. You've got to take Osai and, and find whatever you think is the weakest link and line him up over that person. I don't care if it's a defensive tackle. I don't care if you run a, 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 a four-man front and put him in a five technique or something like that. Whatever you've got to do to get him on somebody that he can beat, that's where you put Osai. And if you're running a three-man front, then maybe you need to be bringing up Malcolm Roach into the onto the line Put him down for uh, put his hand down for a few snaps to make it a four man front. I think when you're not getting any pressure off your base, and you're running a three four, you've got to start bringing some something like that. I, I think so, and I, I think you know with this three man front, these are guys. These are these are big run stuffers, and they're they're there to you know 
control two gaps and 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 let those athletic linebackers fly around. But right now you're just not getting enough not getting enough ump from 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 those guys behind them. You're missing somebody like Charles Amenehu. Yeah, you know, that's some, a some that came up with us this week too. A, a war daddy that can get down, like Jerry Jones used to, he calls him. You know, a war daddy that can get in the backfield. You're you're missing somebody like that on, on this team. And there, I mean, there was hope that. Malcolm Roach could could be that type of player, even you know coming up from the from the linebacking core, and he, and he might still could be, but I think they they've got to test that theory. And I I think what you're gonna see next in two weeks when they get back on the field is with with more defensive backs, more of what you saw early in the year where you know there could be eight eight defensive backs on the field on those third and long situations. If you those are your best eight guys that to do what you need to do, if, then then that's what you got to do. I mean. You'll get to see DeMarvion Overshone move down to kind of a more natural position, which is that hybrid safety linebacker. He's a guy who could, you could see get after quarterbacks in, in those kind of situations. But uh, there's that's a big if. I mean, they're going to have to prove that they could do that. That's that's doesn't look like it right now. So the big theme of the week is what does this mean for the Texas football season? Because this is a season-changing loss. Once again, they hadn't. Texas had not looked like they were a uh, a top ten team over the first what was it six weeks of the season or so, six seven weeks. They they hadn't looked like it, but they were able to hold on enough to keep that proclamation. Um, I think they were going into this game something like fifteenth or something like that, uh, ranked fifteenth. They were eleventh before that. This game took every deficiency that you saw from the first half of the season and put it all into one game. And it it has changed the outlook. It has changed the expectations. What does this loss mean for the season for Texas? It means that they are a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team right now. Uh, there's, there's Along with eight other teams. Right, right. <laughs> this all of a sudden is, is, a, is, a, is a conference that, you know, Looks like anybody can beat anybody any week, and that is that's not good news for a team that has to win four in a row to get to get to the goal that they they had set at the beginning of the year to have a chance. I yeah, mean, I mean, just to even just to even sniff it, just to yeah. even get back on the field with Oklahoma, which you know outplayed you for four quarters. Well, it, or, it, or, or Baylor. Or, <laughs> I, I don't know that they're guaranteed. Even if they win all four, that they would make the Big Twelve championship. They would, they'd still need help. I think they would still need help. They, and so at, at this point. You know, it's really, it's a tough spot because even if they do everything right from this point forward, I think it still has a chance to come up with a, a lost season type mantra. But I, I think we need to just reset, you know. I, I, what are the expectations from here on out? What are the, uh, you, you know, they are technically still in the Big 12 title hunt, but nobody expects it at this point if you've been watching this team. How can they go to the? How can they make changes to get to get back to that point? You know, what what are the expectations for you? They've got anywhere from zero and four to four and zero. What what are you thinking on the la these last four games of the year? I think talking to people, this is this is this is, you know, in the heat of the moment, right after the loss. But a lot of people around around you know a lot of people on the beat and, and, and media types. No, I'm not saying anybody in the program. This isn't. Yeah. Scoop that I'm giving everybody, <laughs> but a lot of people, you know, that are that have spent a lot of time around this program think oh, four is more of a possibility than four and zero from from what what you've seen the last really three weeks in a row from this team. Uh, I mean, two of the games are against ranked opponents, right? You know, so it's not like 
They're coming up to a pushover part of the schedule. Um, I think they've got... Two, um, two of them are on the road against... And, and so it's home versus Kansas State, you know, after a bye week. Uh, they're currently ranked 22nd after... How the hell did that happen, beat OU? Um, then you're right, on the road against Iowa State. Then uh, on the road against Baylor. Boy, that's looking scary right now. Um, who'd have thunk? But, uh, and then at home versus Tech. So I think even in Texas's current state, they should take Tech down. I mean, Tech's not a very good football program this year. Um, Iowa State is always troublesome on the road. You know, so I don't think 0-4 is really in the picture. I, I see win, too many winnable games on here. I, I, I don't yeah. know that 1-3 is too far out. Right, and and I think 1-3 is probably, I mean, 0-4 would, would be absolute disaster. Things are melting down. We, we've, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's a lot more to talk about if we get to 0-4. Yeah. Uh, but well, can you imagine going into that Tech game at the end of the season if Texas has lost? to win to, to get into a bowl? Well, yeah, or, or, or not, <laughs> the eye roll you just gave me. <laughs> but at that point, I, wouldn't it be six straight losses for yeah. Texas? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not right. go there. But, uh, <laughs> but, if you're, but if you're a Vegas odds maker, how many of these games are tech, is Texas favorite in? Uh, down the stretch. I think two of the four. Two yeah. of the four would probably, I mean, you maybe Kansas, Kansas State at home, maybe. Iowa State on the road, that would be a toss-up to me if I, were, <laughs> if I were making a bet. I mean, I could go pull it up if you really want. But. <laughs> uh, and then Baylor, Baylor on the road, and yeah. there's no way they'll be favored in that game, unless, you know, something dramatic happens the week before. If they win the next two games, yeah. if Texas wins the next two games, you know, you might call that three points either way against Baylor. And Baylor's I, I, getting to the meat of their schedule too. I mean, you're right. They, they, Baylor could could drop a couple here, but yeah, it's it's. I I, I agree. I don't think zero and four is realistic. I don't think four and zero is realistic. We're somewhere between one and three and three and one. Right. And the the optimist says that could get to eight wins. You know, have a decent season. Not what you wanted, but also not an implosion. If this team goes one and three, that, that is an implosion. Um, down the stretch, so. right? Eight, eight regular season wins, and then you win your bowl game. You're not really just—I mean, it's not just fall off the table from where no. you were the year before. No, it's not. You were probably a year early on a lot of that stuff. You know, I mean, they—they they got into the Big Twelve championship game despite you know they—they lost two and they lost back to back games in, during the regular season, and then you know really got a chance—a good matchup with 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 Georgia and and. Uh, you know, physically just took it to those guys, but they probably weren't. If they'd have played Georgia's schedule, they wouldn't have had Georgia's record last year. Uh, you know, I think they, I think they were the better team that day, but I don't think that they were a top five elite team last year. You know, uh, but you, you kind of expected that to be where they ha- they were going to get to. So they've lost two of their last three. Texas has lost two of the last three games. Obviously, Oklahoma. TCU with a squeaker of a win against Kansas stuck in the middle of there. There, this is. You said that Tom Herman sounded different after this ball game. I think that's obvious to any fan. This felt different after this ball game. It affirmed the issues that Texas has. It changed the season, as we've talked about. When this happens, you have to watch out for one very big occurrence, and that's a team giving up on itself. 
Um, team giving know, up on the coaches. They, a team giving up on the coaches. This is a point where a team can turn on you if you're Tom Herman or Todd Orlando and just give up. You know, uh, the fight we see from Texas in the coming weeks, in my opinion, will fall squarely on the shoulders of Sam, Sam Ellinger because we're going to find out, you know, how if he is the leader that Texas fans have come to think he is. Um, a coach, in my opinion, can only do so much for the, for the morale of a, of a football team. It comes down to the players. You have these players-only meetings. You hear about them all the time across sports. It comes down to the players to decide that they are going to fight. And I think whenever you start that conversation, you start with Sam Ellinger. If he is the leader that Texas fans have come to expect or, or come to think he is, this team will fight. I think that's what we are looking for against Kansas State after the bye week. How hard does this team come out and fight, or does it look like they start giving up? Right, and and that's one thing you can say about every time that this team's taken the field under Tom Herman is they always come ready to fight at least. Mm -hmm. You know, even even when things weren't working against against TCU, you know, those guys, you you wouldn't have been able to tell what the scoreboard said by the way they were playing on the field. I know that's... Super cliche, but uh, <laughs> about as cliche as you can get. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, it, it's true from from someone who's seen you know teams lay down or you know would have been really easy to in that fourth quarter of that game. You're on the road and nothing, absolutely nothing went right for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that that that's definitely a good point. It, Sam Ellinger and and some of these other senior and some of these senior leaders, you know. Guys, that this is their last crack at it. That really wanted to leave a legacy. If this is this is where they get a chance to do that, we're back, <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, if that's the legacy you want to leave, yeah. you can't lay down right here. We we've seen some some recruiting fallout over the last couple weeks uh, from maybe some players that that aren't seeing what they would like to see from Texas. Uh, and if if Texas turns it around and and gets back to it, maybe it's better those guys aren't on the team. You know, if you're not willing to stick through two losses in three weeks, but right. uh, but but two and it, a half losses, yeah, two and a half losses. <laughs> sure, yeah, we won't give a full credit for that Kansas one. But uh, I mean, if, if you're to if you're to that point, if you want to leave that legacy, this is your moment. This is the moment for those seniors. This is the moment for Sam Ellinger to make sure that this program doesn't incidentally bottom out. You've got a month left to make sure that this program puts together a respectable season. Yeah, and and respectable is really what you're going for at this point. Uh, but yeah, there's there's two weeks for these guys to be looking in the mirror and, and, and figuring it out. I, I don't think that you can, I know we go back to, you can't, can't put any of this on effort so far, but... Do you do you keep? Can you dig yourself out of a hole? You know, mm-hmm. uh, can you keep? You you can't do it the same way you were. You've got to. You've got to really take, take a long look in the mirror and figure out what's working, what isn't. Some stuff's probably got to get thrown out, and and you know. Come out with a new a new approach for the last four weeks of this. That's that's exactly what I want to talk to you about next. You were going to call you Coach Dukes. <laughs> Currently, you're an offensive coordinator. What do you do to fix this offense? I first I go and spend the enormous amount more money that I'm making uh, <laughs> on something really nice for my wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, to to fix the offense, 
Yeah. Um, I really think you you got to play more to what what's working, and, and not only that, but take a little bit of pressure off number eleven. Run the ball a little more. You were they were successful running the ball with two two good running backs. Whenever you get out of this break, you're going to have three good running backs. You know, put yourself in some more third and short situations. Stop stop making Sam Ellinger do everything. Uh, you know, run the ball downhill a little bit more. You know, free up, free up, get more creative with, with, with Johnson and Duvernay. Put them on the same side every now and then. You know, mix it up. You know, don't, don't think that your guys are so much better than the other guys that you're, that you're afraid to, to throw a little bit of trickeration in there. So I, I think you literally hit on everything I was about to talk, <laughs> talk about here. But uh, so one, I think you've got to go for broke. You said trickeration right there at the end. Where did these trick plays go? We, yes. we, we saw some pretty creative trick plays uh, early on in the season. Have we seen one in the last three games? I mean, I don't recall one off the top of my head. Yeah, we, we saw an offensive lineman score a touchdown, and I guess they... But they that, that was a month ago. Trick play points on that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, hey, it, it, it's that point in the season. Pull out the stops, okay? Right. Uh, I, and, and I'm not just saying trick plays because that's a once-a-game type situation. Yeah, uh, but But... You have to pull off the stops in your play calling all the way through the ball game. You have to play like you have no chance to lose, like you have you, that you can't lose. You've got to just go out there, uh, for lack of a better term, balls of the walls, and 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 with your play calling, I think that's a big part. I also agree with your statement. You've got to stop relying so much on Sam Sam, Sam Ellinger, and at the same time rely on him in different ways. Right. So. This team is having some issues on first and second down, putting themselves in bad spots on third, where they're going at third and eight. Heck, sometimes third and 15. You know, let's find some ways. Maybe it's some called quarterback draws uh, or or QB runs where Texas can get a, a couple of yards on first and a couple yards on second, run the ball with Ingram, and set up more manageable third downs. I, I think that would be... A big step in the right direction, um, you know. But at the same time, it's it's really been difficult with opposing defensive coordinators knowing that if you take Johnson away over the top, it completely changes this offense. If they're not going to let you go for a fifty-yard pass, if they're just saying we're running two deep safeties, which is exactly what Kansas State's going to do. It's what they did against OU. Yeah. Um, they're they're literally going to run a Tampa two two deep safeties, and they've got a good one. Uh, they are they are telling you that we're going to keep you short. Well, let's find somebody who can take a five-yard pass and make it 50. And sometimes that's Devin Duvernay. He's had a solid season. But there's got to be somebody else in that, and I think this is where Jordan Whittington has to come into play. You are going to have to immediately. This is not an ease Jordan Whittington into the offense. This is a put him in a starring role from snap number one. Whether he's in the backfield, split out, um, I would take him and I would do both. Start him in the backfield and roll him out. You know, you've got to get the ball in his hands. You've got to get the ball in Duvernay's hands, and have some people that can make some of those plays if teams are going to be sitting back and keeping you from making the big play. You've got to get the ball in the hands of somebody who can who can do it on the ground. Right, and and. Get, get a few more easy ones to, to Jake Smith. Get him in a rhythm. You know, I, I feel like, yes, he's had some pretty key drops this year, but it seems like he's only getting targeted in those big situations. He's a freshman. Put him put him in some easy – get his confidence up. Get him, in, get him into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Get him and Dubonnet on the field at the same time. Get get all three of those. Get those two guys and Whittington on the field at the same time. You know, have some different ways of attacking defenses where I feel like the last few weeks, defenses are dictating towards Texas what they want them to do. And you've got to get, with, with, the, with the amount of talent you have, you've got to be doing it the other way around. You've, mm -hmm. you've got to be making them adjust to what you're doing. So we've talked about trick plays just a little bit a few minutes ago. Can we please see Roshan Johnson take a snap? Like... Let's put him. I go in with your normal, your normal setup. Have him take a snap. Have Sam Ellinger offset to the right. Heck, let's throw Jordan Winnington onto the field and really confuse the heck out of some people. There's some packages. There used to be a Tyrone Swoops package. What was that? The the uh, I can't remember the, the name. The eighteen wheeler package. package. I was going to call it the big trucker or something <laughs> like that. But uh, you know, let's have a let's have a package for Roshan Johnson put into this. I think that could be very effective. I also think that getting the ball in, in uh, Whittington's hands once he's healthy and on the field could be a difference maker. These are the types of things that you'd like to see from this Texas offense to, like I said, play like you got nothing to lose, right. you know? And with four games to go, you have one advantage that, that, I mean, that you've got through injuries, and that's that you've got a guy that could be a game-breaker that nobody has any film on and nobody's seen you play at all. Mm -hmm. And that's that. That's something no other team in the Big Twelve can say at this point. Uh, but yeah, there's they've they've got to be a little more creative. And 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 I think that sometimes it's easy to to get into the point where you you know the guys you've got and you know what works, and you kind of you kind of throw the rest of the playbook out. You're like, hey, these these are the seven plays that I know are are going to work against anybody at any time. Mm -hmm. And Eventually, even if you have more talent than the other team, if you if you telegraph what you're going to do enough, teams are going to catch on to it. So we've talked a, a bit about the offense. Let's swap your hat. Coach Dukes is now a defensive coordinator. What do you do to fix the defense? I I think you know you're getting getting all these uh, defensive backs healthy is a, is a big start. I I take a look at what I've got. And I get my best eleven players on the field, even if it if it means running a, a you know, uh, you know three like three defensive linemen, two linebackers, and and a bunch of defensive backs out there. Whatever it takes, you find a way to get your most disruptive guys out there, and and don't worry so much about what your base package is supposed to be. Make your big pa base package what what uh, the the best athletes. You know that that that's, that would be step number one. Step number two, find ways to get we, – we already kind of hit on this one, but find ways to, to use Joseph Osai. Use your, use your best players and put them in better situations where, where you're getting you're, – you know you're going to get the most impact out of him. I, I think dropping him back in, into coverage like they did a few times against TCU. It's a waste. It's a it, complete waste. Mm. This, is, this is a guy who, who, who was – you know, Playing with it, he feels at home playing with his hand on the ground, and and you've got him, you know, trying to cover slot receivers. Mm. It's uh, I, I understand that he's athletic enough to probably to probably do it, but probably do or like a, a mediocre job at it compared to what he could be doing up near the line of scrimmage, attacking people and coming on blitzes and, you know, just just find ways to make those guys more disruptive and help out the, these this defensive line that's. I mean, clearly not as explosive as, as some of the other ones have been in the past.
Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you talk about Overshome maybe moving down into that, you know, robber or whatever right. whatever they call it position, the safety slash linebacker spot. That there might be some some, some potential to really create some havoc from that position. Um, I also agree with you. Take Joseph aside, move him around, do whatever you've got to do to get him a matchup that works. Um, Heck, bring bring Caden Stearns on some blitzes when you get him back out there. You know, I mean, that's that's probably your best tackler. Yeah. What we're, what we're really talking about on both sides is be more creative. Right. Stop doing the same darn thing over again because we're seeing that it's not working very well. Right. You don't um, throw the baby out with the bathwater, but eventually you got to change the bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are we alluding to a coach's change? I'm not sure where this metaphor is going. Oh, I, but. I, I, <laughs> But you know, I, I agree with you. This this defense, one, get healthy as you can. They've got a bye week. I mean, there's no Texas fan that was excited about having two bye weeks in, in the football season but until right now. They're going, oh, thank God we have a second bye week. You know, uh, it's awful as a football fan to ha- have to wait through another week without yeah, without a game. But these guys limping into Kansas State this uh, week, man. That, I I know that everybody, uh, everybody on the forty acres is glad there's not a football game this week, and that is not something you say very often around there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's just get a little bit healthier, get some of your main guys back out there, and I don't know, Todd Orlando, pick or choose. That he's been going back and forth between this drop back defense and this blitz defense, and I know you got to mix it up. We, we you do have to see. Uh, different fronts, fronts, but e- either decide that you're going for broke and, and selling out with these blitzes or tell them we're going to keep everything in front of us the whole way. The only problem with this, hey, I've got to actually, let's let's scrap all this. The number one thing, learn to tackle, okay? Because if you learn to tackle, then you can play back and keep everything in front of you, and these plays end up being three and five yards and not 10 or 50, which is Texas' big problem right now. So, yeah, step one, learn to tackle, but... Uh, I, I doubt they can figure that out over a bye week. But I, I feel like Orlando is trying to find an identity for this team. Yeah. It doesn't, this team, this defense doesn't fit what he wants to do. And it and hasn't found one thing it does really, really well. Exactly. That it can base everything else off. It can't hang its hat on anything right, right. now. And so I don't know if it can't, it can't. You know, and that's part of why I, I say I don't know that I blame Todd Orlando to the full extent, simply because I don't know that this defense has the right people to be able to execute or hang your hat on something. If, if you want to look in a positive direction, you know, we talked about there's no there's no tape on, on Whittington. There's no tape on what this Texas secondary is going to look like against Kansas State. I mean, it'll be the closest they've been to 100% healthy all year. Uh, with with It'll be the first time you've had you know, Green, Stearns, B.J. Foster... Um, all, all these guys, are DeMarvion Overshone, they've all been hurt at separate points during the season. You're going to have all those guys on the field. You've got to figure out ways to utilize all of that talent you're going to have in that secondary. And that might be enough. That that in itself might be enough. You know? I I, <clears throat> I keep going back to... I'm, I'm the positive guy I'm uh, most of the time. <laughs> it's, it's tough after a game like this. I keep looking at all the injuries and all the turnover, and I, and I go, yeah, you know, if, if you'd have thrown out the top 20 players from last year's defense, you probably would have struggled too. And that's what they're literally what they've been facing. Yeah. You know, eight graduate, six, eight injured, you know. Um, I think I heard Bob Ballou say something like it was 
uh, 20 of the top 22 or, or 18 of the top 22 on yeah. uh, pretty, on the two deep were, yeah. were freshmen or sophomore. You had a pretty epic rant on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it, doesn't that blow your mind? Yeah. Like, it, it literally 85% of your defense is, um, is freshmen or sophomores. So I, I get that Todd Orlando's being put in a tough spot. So I don't want to hang it all on trying to say that he's not doing a good enough job coaching, but God, something's just got to change. Yeah. And, and you expect, you expect to struggle in spots, but you kind of expect also to like, we kind of brought up, I mean, just, just find a couple of things that you're really good at. And then you can build off of that and, and, and throw in some more wrinkles and everything else that comes behind it. Well, you know, next up, K-State. Got to buy a week this week. We talked about that. Needs a very, very necessary buy week. K-State's currently uh, listed as 22 in the country. Um, and, boy, that win over Oklahoma. Who the heck saw that coming? It was, uh, it was a shocker. They're, uh, you know, it, it goes to show you, number one, the, you know, the coaches changed, but I, I, I don't know. I, there, there's, there's something about teams from Manhattan where if you make enough <laughs> mistakes to beat yourself, they're going to make sure you pay for it. And yeah. You turn the ball over as many times as Oklahoma did in that game, you're, you're not going to beat them. Well, uh, we've got a uh, another podcast coming up next week. You know, let's save that uh, Kansas State talk until then. So, uh, Chris, I, I really appreciate you coming by. You can find more from Chris Dukes at Dukes Take on Twitter. Not Duke, Duke Steak. Yeah. Uh, Dukes Take on Twitter, uh, and uh, you can find more uh, of his coverage all week long on uh, si.com slash college slash Texas, and I uh, appreciate you uh, stopping by the podcast. And I appreciate you as well, Dalton. It was uh, another another great week, and, uh, you know, I I do want to tell people, you know, back a little off the, the ledge, you still got four <laughs> more games of football left. You know, there's... Uh, Enjoy it while it lasts, yes, if you can. College football has the longest off season of any of any major sport. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever you're when, deep diving for recruiting news, or hey, what which quarterback is coming out this year? When you're uh, yeah, watching yeah. the 2005 Rose Bowl for the 900th <laughs> time on, on the Longhorn Network. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you're right. Enjoy it while you can, even if weeks like this it makes it a little more difficult to enjoy. Yeah, a, a good a, a bad week of during football season is better than a good week in and uh, when there's no football. So yeah. remember that. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. And thank you.